You're listening to the Forest School Podcast with Lewis Ames and Gemma Sutherden. Should I close the door? Yeah. Listeners, it's raining again. Great, we're trying our best. And I'm sorry that the last episode was um, really hard to listen to. What's the opposite of ASMR? Fucking annoying. ASM fucking. <laughs> Grinding. So sorry, so we're in the cabin, it's a bit echoey, but at least we thought there's less, we have fewer raindrops to be annoying. I think less listen. is actually accurate. No, it's not fewer raindrops, it's plural. It's countable. It's a countable noun. It's fewer. <laughs> listen though, listen. Yeah. It's still there, but that is quite nice. I think that's quite nice. It might yeah. not come out nice. Yeah, it's not gonna come point. out through a phone, is it? We've got some battery battery powered. I just took I just took a picture of you because you're really? making making your notes oh, with, really? with a cup of coffee with some battery powered tea lights oh. all around you. It looks like we're really making a meal of this, um, rather than you arriving five minutes ago, going, I had a really shitty dream and I'm so sorry and I'm here now and I'm like, let's go. Like, it looks like, if I put this picture up, people would be like, oh god. We are missing incense though, I was just saying, that's what I could really do with right now. Really is nice. incense good for you? I it's don't bad think for so. you? Is it I just smoke in your house? I think it is just smoke in your house. That's okay. what it smells like, because it's made out of like wood resin. Um, you know, so it's basically like a tiny, tiny little campfire. I'm just going. Mm, yeah, I have a really strong thing. memory of being a uh, increasingly alternative teenager and feeling like going to those hippie shops. I mean, like, God, I want my room to smell like this. What is it that you're burning in here? Mm. And then it took a few years to realise, like, this stop shop stinks because there are eight thousand incense candles in here, not all burning, uh, but right. like that's why the smell is so good because. Yeah. It's all just dry in there. Yeah, that is. It does smell before you light it. It's true, yeah, definitely. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> also, probably the crusty people working in those shops have got a smell of their own. <laughs> I, that's my people, right? I can say I, that's not a geography. Those are gra- my people. You graduated from that to working in Lush, which we both did, which is yeah. also stinky people. Different stinky people. Forest school people, listeners. If anyone people. else works in Lush, like, hit us up because I reckon there's a Venn diagram of like. Ended up being a forest school leader. Worked in Lush at some point. I, mm. I just think there is. Yeah, probably. Yeah, in the wonk spectrum. Mm. The wonk journey. Mm. That's what we can call our joint autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> wonk story. <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 oh a story God. of wonk, woes and <laughs> Wayne. Oh, God. Um, but we are here to do a podcast about something. Quite a serious something. Not working in Lush. Um, that we're talking about... Okay, get this. Moral compass development opportunities at Forest School. Yeah. Do you because, want to preface? Yeah. Why? why? Well, I can't remember why I came up with it. But you this were talking week... to me about the Dan Siegel book. So Dan Siegel. Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that was the journey. You. Okay. That's how you hooked me. Okay. So I'm listening to the neurobiology of we, not urine, listeners. W E. Yes. Of you and I. Um, Which we and... are gonna. I think, I think gonna... it will be a separate one. I just need to catch up with you. Yeah, anyway, sorry, derailed. It. It'll blow your mind. But, um, and that book talks a little bit, it's only a tiny little moment, but talking about the kind of uh, bit of your brain or mind which contains the moral compass. And in the book, he's kind of defining the moral compass as. Um, obviously it's like the difference between knowing the difference between right and wrong and acting accordingly which is what the dictionary would say but he's also talking about the moral compass being the ability or the the thing that happens when nobody's watching so your kind of sense about what is right and wrong and acting accordingly even when nobody is watching you so i think we're going to talk a little bit about like social Mm -hmm. structures and social like ideas of right and wrong in inverted commas but also this idea about what you do and the decisions you make when nobody's watching you and that kind of internal interrogation about like, what do I do now? Should I do this thing? Yeah. And that at Forest School and how important it is for opportunities for that bit of your brain to be given, especially when you're growing up. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would argue that we don't really get that many opportunities in our current climate current world as a child or young person 
to interrogate our kind of internal moral compass without an audience. So mm. you might be in a space like school or scouts or wherever, you know, or a family situation where, of course, you've got opportunities to like make a choice about how you act or what you say or what you do. But you've got an audience or you've got adults kind of going, well, you should do this, helping you along the way, in inverted commas. Or, like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like moments where an adult might see you going, should I do this or that? And they go, you should do this. And they're telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Or commenting on the choice you've made, mm-hmm. either by going, what'd you do that for? No, that's wrong. That's bad. And maybe I'm going to inflict the punishment now. Or maybe I'm going to make you feel guilty or shameful. Or or maybe not. Maybe I'm just going to comment on it. Imposing a compass. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or you've got, um, what was I going to say? Or even the flip side, or, you know, somebody going, like watching you and going, that was a really good choice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well done. I could see that you blah, 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 and you did blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's a little kind of... And that's worth remembering as well, because you and I are now increasingly old. Mm. Every second we are increasingly old. Um, that That is not just a physical situation. That I would say increasingly young people, and you know, I'm probably on the cusp of people that aren't, you know, if I was any younger, I think I would be in the generation that was putting a lot more, I would put a lot of my teenage life online. Mm. And increasingly, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, mm. um, all these things, you're still getting social feedback on like, and that is a lot of times how you're, it's slightly different because you're not face to face with a person, yes. but you are still getting, this has been socially approved, this has been socially disproved. And that's, this is a side topic, and I've gone on a slight tangent, it's like, seeing the difference between oh my video's gone viral um that's you know that's positive feedback actually differentiating between the well that's gone viral because everybody is looking at you and going like what an absolute train wreck or what a bad decision that's a different thing and i've derailed it but i just wanted to raise that thing of like sometimes now even when you are physically on your own, I'm doing this thing in my room, I am doing this thing out on a walk, mm. you may not socially be on your own mm. because you, if it's connected, recorded, someone else is recording you, all those things in a public, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and there will be, so we're kind of talking about like opportunities for moral, moral compass development of Royal School. And I kind of said at the, at the beginning, like times when you're completely on your own. So mm. I want to talk about that, but. I was yeah. gonna, can we also talk about like adult responses at forest school? So times when you're not alone. Um, oh, definitely. Our, I've definitely. Like, I've, that, yeah, I've got a mix of thoughts there. Cool. So I think can we start with I one of the first things I think that comes to mind with forest school and more compass stuff is to do with interactions with the living world. Mm-hmm. So, like the non-human the, living world. The more than human. More so, than okay you know like into like like that whole thing we did a whole podcast about it about pulling the legs off a spider Mm -hmm. or you know you find a small creature how are you going to treat it because you might have for whatever reason an urge to like either hurt it or stress it out Mm -hmm. um and you know whether or not there's something in you that goes oh that i shouldn't i shouldn't do it like i really Mm -hmm. want to but i shouldn't do it and whether that changes over time so you could you argue that the like most kids might not hold a woodlouse like every day for example yeah yeah um, i think but at school, you might hold a woodlouse every day for a period of time if you want to and you're interested in it and that the first few times you hurt a woodlouse you might have an instinct to hurt it and then over time perhaps that changes or the flip side you know you might hold it for the first few times and be scared of it and then and then after a while, then you go, oh, no, but I'm not scared of it anymore. Now I'm going to see what happens if I really stress it out. I turn mm. it upside down and shake it about. And then experiencing that and doing that, then does it then kick in your moral compass? Would that happen without an adult going, oh, it might not like that? Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, I... One of the notes I made was brought... Was broader than just the woodlouse because i think there is there's you can almost separate flora and fauna here which is that like you 
in terms of if there was a scale of feedback, you've got human social interaction. I have made a choice and I am being verbally told, I am being physically shown. I, all of these things are giving me feedback that go into my moral compass processing. Oh, mm. oh, person is hurt. Person did not like this. Group did not like this. I should not do this thing, right? Like social programming. Social programming, right. Then I think there's the middle bit, which is um, fauna, mm. which non-verbal, mm. but most learners can inter interpret physical response mm. you can see the woodlouse curl up mm. you can see the, the sh snail go in its shell you can see there's something you can interpret like something has happened mm. and you can interpret like this is trying to get away from me then the other then you keep going and there's the non-verbal non-movement mm. on a time scale it's non-movement it's not it's just on a time scale we can't perceive which is flora which is um you know that thing of like you can pick the leaves off you can pick all of the leaves off a sapling mm. and there will be no noise no movement no feedback whatsoever and actually what i think is as you move down that scale of like feedback responses mm. you move it's like an inverse thing that says like what is the benefit of um like time to reflect mm. so at the one end you've got picking all the leaves off of some flora actually setting up some time to reflect not giving the didactic like this is the compass we don't do this because blah 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 but like offering an opportunity to reflect on it is like hugely important because the feedback isn't there in the middle they've probably got some feedback from this woodlouse that's curled up in a ball they're getting something from offering a bit of a feedback time of like oh that looks like it's you know moving away from you how how what do you think is going on mm. the top end is like you're being so bombarded with feedback by other humans anyway mm. that you don't really need the reflection time because you're getting that like mm. moment to moment mm. input into your moral compass mm. do you know yeah. what i mean yeah i do know and so i think there's a difference between offering reflections which strengthen a more moral compass and offering didactic um mm. uh i don't know what the word is there i made a gesture mm. <laughs> um like handing down a moral compass as opposed to just offering it as a do reflection do you think that there because i'm thinking about like the role of like shame and guilt here so somebody strips the leaves off a sapling and then an adult might come along and go you've, you've killed that mouse that's, mm -hmm. that's dead um and then how you know you might not feel anything about that that might yeah, just yeah. be fine for you um but for some people that could become a real spiral of like ah what have i done mm -hmm. and i'm wondering about the role of like for, so for example yesterday i was with a learner and they had a sharp stone and as we were chatting actually about something else they were kind of almost absent-mindedly but quite hard scraping the bark of a beech tree next to us right and i, I had to say and so I, I and i just said i'm um seeing you do that i'm i'm worried that it might hurt the tree this is like the tree skin and it's like scratching it and it may get infected and it might hurt the tree. And so phrasing it like that, I'm not saying that what I did was right or wrong, but is there something about like giving information that a learner might be unaware of without judgment as much as yeah. possible and just saying, no, so you're not going, stop that, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Or you're not saying, uh, you're a I bad want, person for doing You're a bad this. person. I yeah, don't yeah. want you to do that anymore. You're just saying, if you do that, this will happen. Or the tree is blah. The, yeah, this is similar I mean? to what we were talking to. So it's a bit more declarative, isn't it? It's Nick a declarative and... thing and going... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say that's similar to what we were talking to Nick and Sunny and... Uh, Rudy. Rudy about, which is that we are like the guide but in that sense we are like the mouthpiece mm. we're the mouthpiece for non-verbal uh entities mm. we hope i guess that's all you can say is like we hope we are the mouthpiece but we haven't been given that authority we've given that authority to ourselves to say i will speak for the woods but at least you're doing it and at least you're being an advocate and at least you're modeling that i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just mm. i'm just reflecting as i got yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. that I've put that on myself. I've given myself that badge to go. Yeah. I will speak for the trees. Yeah. 
In, I, but if you don't, who will? No, I know. Uh, I just, yeah, it's just no, a thought. No, I think it's a really there. interesting point. And I think I've definitely seen examples of learners developing that voice in a similar, you know, because you do it and you model it and then other learners are able to pass on that information to other learners who may not have it yet, you know? So yeah. if you do that, or oh, we won't pick too many leaves from the same tree, or I've heard learners say mm-hmm. that, which might be a thing that we might say. Um but just a kind of, yeah, just a sort of pointing out, like, if X, then Y. And then that is the opportunity for the moral compass development within the person. So you're not saying, I'm not, you're not allowed to do that. You're not saying, five leaves only from each tree, mm. or we never do blah, blah, blah. Although we do say, look after the wood. But hmm, maybe we'll come back to that in, in a bit. Um, but less that's, and that, less, that's but yeah. yeah, we do. That's the whole thing about like declarative language, anyway, though, isn't it? That you are just pointing out something in a really jo- non non judgmental way, so that then you are almost kickstarting one would hope the internal processes in the person you're speaking to to go, oh, okay, they've said this and this. What do I do now? Like it's for me to make a decision or to change my action or not. Um, but what would you do if somebody didn't stop? Well, that's why I was just wondering, you know, it's, it's all very well and good saying, oh, this is declarative. Mm-hmm. But if you already know that, like, well, if they choose A, I'm going to step in. If they choose B, I'll let them carry, you know, then um, it's not really declarative, you know, it just it's a fast. But um, so I'm not sure what I would do other than to say that is, I think, where I would step in. And this is the thing that I where I think I have um, another thought, which is that, like, I would make it an I statement mm-hmm. and I would make it about my moral compass impacting what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, I'm so sorry. I, I can't let watch. I can't watch that happen to the tree. I, mm. I can't let that happen to the tree. I can't, I can't watch that woodlouse mm. be pummeled into the ground viciously yeah. or whatever. Um, but I would try and make it about my moral compass and I would try and make that statement not like you can't mm. it's I can't so it's uh, it's me doing do a that. thing yeah, yeah right because I think I was thinking about like moral compass opportunities for development in brought in, in other educational settings right and I was thinking about uh, different educational places and how they operate that thing mm. so one of the things I know about Steiner education mm-hmm. is that it's hugely prescriptive, looks very hippie-ish, mm. is very prescriptive. But more so than any other education pedagogy I've come across, is prescriptive of home life. Mm-hmm. No screens before 13. Mm-hmm. We expect a nature table at home. Mm. We expect this level of participation from adults. Blah, blah, blah. So this is a pedagogy that Im- impacts home life. So it says this is the moral code of the pedagogy. You must carry it with you. At school, at, at school, at home, when you visit friends, we, all this stuff. And I'm sure that there are some schools who are less, of more course. Flexible. I'm making, I'm, I'm yeah. picking things right. This yeah. is not my area of expertise. Um, fully on board with being told that's not right. Um, in... Sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, Clang. She kidding. just hit me. I'm oh, fucking hell, mate. I just hit you. I just oh, grabbed the hat. Shitting. But my hat was in the washing up, of course. So I'm so the sorry. The washing up move. I'm so sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> right, so there's one situation where you would have... Oh, so Steiner would be an example. You could have any pedagogy. You're making silly faces at me now. Um, We've been serious for too long. But let me get to my thought because it's a sorry, good sorry, one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on, go on. So one pedagogy goes... Or some pedagogies would go, this has to carry with you your whole life. Yeah. Some pedagogies go, this is the... You arrive at, at school, say at five, end of state school, let's say... And you go, you might have come with your own. You know, they always talk about like in reception, it's that clashing of cultures of like whatever your home life is, all these kids come together and, mm. you know. Um, and I was going to say hash it out, but they don't. What they get is this is the school's moral compass. Mm. And you all need to learn that you adhere to your school's moral compass, your home moral compass at home, mm-hmm. your school moral compass at school. We don't do that. These are the school rules. Mm. This is the thing. Um, you as six do not have any. Mm. way to bring that in and go actually at home we're doing this how about we try this and I wondered then I was thinking about how 
particularly how we operate forest school mm -hmm. because some people would operate forest school in that spectrum there of like mm -hmm. these are the forest school rules mm -hmm. one of the agreements is that you don't pick things if you pick things then you have to leave mm. this thing this i'm taking pick things as an example yeah, but yeah. you know what i mean there's like a these are the forest school rules mm. whereas i would like to think and it's not always perfect and we're not always there but our version of the moral compass here is a lot more of a coming together of ideas from all of the learners like in a community sense discussing what we are and aren't going to do what we are and aren't okay with it which is where i and then to circle right back that's where i was with the i statement of like i can't let you do that thing mm. like i i can't watch that happen or oh, well i don't want to play that thing mm. um and um there's something about like so people who've been listening for a while won't won't find this new but i so i've been vegan for 10 years and that's like for me that's a big moral compass mm. thing because it's an it's, for me it's an ethical choice and so i was thinking about oh how does that translate into this because it's not a forest school because you could go forest school is vegan your lunch boxes have to be vegan we only do this we never hurt the animals we do this thing right actually what we have is much more of a like i am vegan mm -hmm. therefore the things i buy will be vegan mm -hmm. you eat whatever you want in your lunchbox mm -hmm. no issues and we don't in you know we might have conversations about it mm. but we wouldn't be in a position of going no people that eat animals like, oh, mm. personally i feel this but mm. the, <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't have a conversation with a six-year-old learner going like mm. well because meeting eating meat is morally mm. abhorrent and all mm. this stuff like i would just go okay we've come together here we eat this because it doesn't infringe on anyone's moral compass to do this thing yeah. and i wondered if that transfers to other areas of our forest school where we go what's the thing that we can all do that doesn't infringe on anyone's um being mm. where like all of our moral codes overlap in this venn diagram area so that's what we agree is okay i think that's really interesting i think uh, i'm thinking about um watching play happen mm -hmm. and when it becomes uh like less dramatic than pulling the legs of a spider or smushing wood glass into the ground sure. but like for example play which involves scraping not scraping but like sweeping a lot of the forest floor <laughs> yeah. to make enclosures for an imaginary zoo yeah. so i watch that play happen and i have two really strong thoughts and one of them is oh my god i remember doing that type of play when i was a kid except i wasn't in the woods i was on my state where i lived and i was sweeping the gravel like the loose gravel off the surface of the road with a brush and making ma ma mazes making cleared spaces big mastery play mastery play and i go oh that's really interesting example of mastery play i probably was about their age mm -hmm. this is really interesting and it was all about like oh no but you can see the boundary you know i've swept the thing yeah, yeah. and i'm like woof, that's really interesting i've also got that brain going oh that is like the soil even though it's not the same as smushing woodlouse i still had that like eh. and it's when so that is your you know my moral compass as like guardian of play but also guardian of the woods if mm -hmm. i'm putting those badges on myself and going well what do i do now so i think there are so many millions of moments as a forest school practitioner that your own moral compass is like challenged and stretched mm -hmm. in that way and i think sometimes that's what can be exhausting and kind of lean to burnout because you're always like moment to make you're making decisions you go what do i value most like this child's experience or like the health of the woodland or do you know what i mean there are so mm. many moments where we live in the gray area especially mastery play you know there's digging and like how does that affect the world? like how are you going to like mitigate that but still allow facilitate but mitigate all the blink in time and that different adults have different moral compasses of course mm. and so you might either be working with another adult or there's parents involved or volunteers or whatever and they might sort of allow something in inverted commas way more than you might or might not they don't have that same like feeling do you know what i mean so you then you also have to take into account that that you don't want to go hey like i feel this about this thing or maybe you have a relationship where you can do that and that's great but i just 
yeah what you're saying about kind of not being too we never do this mm -hmm. or imposing your own moral compass too much on people but but voicing it i like that thing of voicing it and going i'm just explaining to you what's happening inside of me mm. which is something we do all the time isn't it all that thing of like i'm just going to say my thought process out loud and i wonder if yeah blah, and, blah, I, blah, blah. and i think that is what i would hope to be modeling as a moral compass so if we're thinking about you know that thing of like the learners that we have now are the adults they will be in however many years um that actually that is how i hope to approach moral situations as an adult in that if someone has a different morality to me about a choice about a like i can't think of a very good example now but there would be things uh like let's say theft theft is one of those moral things right um and so we're here in the UK and there was recently a thing in the news yesterday where the chief of police, MP, whatever, the, you know, the MP that like is in, then in charge of the police commission. The police commission had put a formal request in for some leniency on people shoplifting food during the living wage crisis mm. and has been absolutely slapped down. This MP has said like, no, crime is unacceptable in any way. There is no reason to commit crime. Crime is crime. Crime is crime. Right. Hard moral line. Right. I think I would be in that position where I'm like, uh, similar to, you know, you take this down to a microcosm of a woodlouse, where there's some things where I go, um, like, scraping the floor, mm. do you know what, that's not pushing my moral buttons, I'm not going to, I'm going to walk away from that, mm. and then, but I'm not going to, like, invade someone else's space to put my morality on them, put my moral compass on them, when I would, would not be about saying, you have to live how I perceived morally it would be about me going there's something morally that means i have to do something mm. here um i'm not trying to change your moral compass and this is like it's a bit like trying to win an internet argument mm. like you're not going to change people's mind you're not going to change people's morality through that conversation you can only like hold your own mortal mora mortality fuck. <laughs> hold your own morality model it mm. And move forwards with that it's a bit um mm. i don't know I'm... yeah and this is i think um if we move like away from like the natural world the more human and into like peer-to-peer -peer relationships this so we put a you put a post on our social media about like gunplay and war play yeah. recently and that what in fact sarah slocum uh messaged us and i don't know if we replied saying have we ever done a, a podcast on war play yeah which we haven't yet, but it's kind of maybe coming in a little bit now. Um, so sorry, Sarah, we didn't. I didn't. I didn't reply to her. Did you reply to her? No. No, we're sorry. not very organised people. Sorry. I, As a I, child, I, it was. It was. It was registered though, because we always say we love to hear from listeners, and then I feel bad if someone messages and we don't reply. So I'm sorry. But um, yes. So that set off a really interesting moral discussion, didn't it? With some practitioners going, I'm sorry, but basically essentially saying my moral compass doesn't allow me to let this happen like this yeah. is my, i am guardian of like peace or whatever and i am and my role in life is to model this um and therefore in order to do that that's not it's not acceptable for me to allow war play to happen and some people going well no actually you've got a you know i am guardian of play essentially they're not saying they're not using these yeah, words yeah, but yeah. that's the message yeah, yeah. they're going and you know who what's am the I? value for you what's the value yeah. driver so this is all about it isn't it's coming down to the crux the nubbin of like yeah, what are your, like, key values that you're going to fight for? Because you can't fight for everything. And that comes into, like, well, everyone, every forest school practitioner is different. Every forest school is going to be different because of those, like, underlying values and principles, I think, which go kind of even beyond forest school principles. They're about, like, you as a person. What you, you don't really thought for? I'm really trying to... I was, no, I'm, this, I'm hearing what you're saying <clears throat> and, and people having their own values and doing this thing, and then I just... My brain went back to... Moral, moral compass is what you do when no one is watching mm -hmm. and uh, quite a lot of what we've talked about is social situations which involve lots of watching mm. so trying to work out why is that a moral compass decision and i think what i i think where i am is that as forest school leaders we are often like 
uh, adjacent to the school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's the Thursday afternoon thing. It's the where, so you are you potentially are in like in an education sense, you're being you're not being as heavily watched. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. you are kind of like no one is watching your lesson mm-hmm. in a way that if you're in the building and the SLT can be walking around and pop the head in or you're next to a window and another classroom can see and you're not in the same position. Is that what makes stuff at Forest School for the leader? Mm. Is that what makes the pedagogy more moral compass Maybe. based? Because we are often not so unsupervised. Sacred, unsupervised. <laughs> yeah, we are, un, we are unsupervised educators in a way that a lot of state education and yeah, indoor yeah. education yeah. isn't. And also because we have the, unless you are, because some settings I know will be photographing and videoing every square inch of what happens in their sessions for evidencing. Um, and some people will be on the other end where they go, there are no books in forest school, there is no marking. I have, it's like the, uh, it's like the responsibility that comes with autonomy. Mm. So in terms of a paper trail, you're not being watched. Mm. In terms of like what is going on, you're not being watched. And that's what makes it a moral compass based pedagogy is... No one can look at our books and look back and go, well, you've made the wrong choice here. No one can look at our, you know, it's harder to walk into our lessons. Man, oh man. Yeah, and I think that comes, and if you think about like what it was like to teach in England, for example, before um, the national curriculum was imposed, probably very similar. And that it's just down to, you know, your classroom is your black box, as they say. It's like Mm. a little invisible, you know, a little secret place, secret world. You imagine yeah. even before the national curriculum that it's down you know what, what are you going to teach the kids what do you think is important mm. and how are you going to do that and it's just and you know obviously in a school would have an ethos and a culture for sure but it's yeah it's down to you as the person and that's but then if you think about forest school again so yes again, agree again agree but then if you also think about forest school as a sort of transition to a community-based holistic setting where the we talk about the status, don't we? About mm-hmm. they know, yes, there are some things which the adult, the practitioner, is going to be like, we're doing it this yeah. way. But you are, I, well, I think, I want to be on a, a road of transition to, we are in the circle, we are a community, you know, just yeah. in the same way as I'm not always going to go, hey, we're doing this now, the learners are going to do that. Um, yeah. That a lot of the the moral compass stuff would come from them and that's the kind of journey that you want to try and go mm. on so and also, that's like yeah. an additional step to talking about like the classroom and that is where to go back to where we were at the start it's really important in terms of being high status low status that we are able to be low status with our moral compass because we have to allow learners to get things wrong yes to look that's that's where you are when you're shelving your moral compass you're not doing a thing and saying i don't care about this you're actually saying i care so much about this i want to give you the learning experience Mm. of fully autonomous moral compass decisions and even to the point where uh so we're very fortunate in our site is a hill and i don't know if you've used it very much but you know that lookout we've built Mm -hmm. right in the middle have you used it much much. oh my god it's incredible you can see everything from up there Mm -hmm. like the whole woods Mm -hmm. right and I've always really valued the ability that our woods has to supervise, <laughs> secretly supervise, mm-hmm. I'll say. So there's very rarely ever a time in our woods, because of how it's laid out, um, where children are like completely unsupervised, cannot be seen at all. Normally, they can be seen in some in some capacity, maybe not like... It's like seen but not heard. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, that you know you can you can you can watch from a distance and you can see a vibe. So you're there and ready to like run down if you can see that people really need a hand. Yeah. Um, and you can obviously watch body language and stuff, but you can't hear all the words that are spoken. And obviously there'll be times when people are making little dens or hiding in a tree or whatever where there is privacy. Yeah. Which is yeah, important. A level of 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 supervision for safety should we yeah. say but yeah i was thinking exactly the same thing that um a lot of the time our instincts as adults might be to just be like hovering 
too close, too close. actually. Close enough. Perceivably close. We're Perceivably then having an close impact. to have an impact, even if it's just like... And sometimes you need to do that because you feel sure. like there's a learner who just needs to know to see at the you, corner of your I'm eye, right. their eye, they're there. It's okay. I'm safe. But yeah. um, but especially with a, more, like a longer established group um, or group that you think can handle it, to be actually so far away that you can't hear what's being said and to allow... Like you said this week, didn't you? You said about, because um, we were talking about, um, sorry if I've said this in the podcast those times, but that thing that I always remember from the secret life of four-year-olds about like friendship and about like, you know, programme, very morally dubious, like experiments for children in this programme. But they were, there were just some psychologists watching uh, some interactions between some four-year-olds in a playground, I think they were in a nursery class, and they were watching a couple of four-year-olds being really horrible to another one and really like excluding them no you're not our friend anymore so you can't use the slide because it's only the people in this thing yeah, yeah la, la. and uh and they were commenting on it and going god this is really really hard to watch but actually what they're learning is what is friendship and they're doing that and, and later in the day they were absolutely hanging out fine completely yeah. fine and it was just like you know could draw a graph of like what looks to us like absolute hatred and meanness to oh, completely fine and really loving, you know, and it just goes mm. rip, 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 up, down, up, down, up, down. And the psychologist was saying, this is how you learn what friendship is and how to be a good friend by what does it feel like to be flipping horrible to somebody and really yeah. exclude them? What does it feel like to be on the other end of that? What does it feel like to forgive that and move on? And, you know, and that you have to kind of let to a certain extent, of course, within reason. Yeah, you don't yeah, want yeah, to yeah. traumatise anybody. No, no, we just neglect them. <laughs> <laughs> no. but that you know and i think you said this week you can you walk past me you know like those moments of like adult kind of thing like i'm just doing this now yeah. <laughs> you said you did say like gotta let them break it to make it or something like that yeah. you know? and i can't remember why but um it went you know i remember why do you okay it was someone who come up and just it's the first time this learner had ever said anything yes and uh they just came up to me and went yeah. It's okay. I've told them I'm not their friend anymore. Oh, yeah. And, like, oh, yeah. this learner had never been through that thing yeah, before. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, like, it just hit me of, like, yeah. God, that's heart-wrenching. Yeah. And I then my sort of leader brain yeah. kicked in and yeah. went, like, no, it's okay. Yeah. And actually, um, so this is where I think there's an interesting moral thing. And I wonder if this is different in different countries. Mm-hmm. Or cultures. Oh, cultures. Oh, cultures, sure. Um, because I think... So we're obviously in the Western world and the Western world's got this thing of like some places in the Western world have got this real puritanical Mm. vibe, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, in that for lots of things like one transgression is like a write off. Mm. Right. If you are not living a perfectly moral life, Mm. then that is horrendous. Mm. Right. Um, In the same. and, And. you can apply that in lots of different ways. Some people will apply that politically. Well, if you have any views which are in the uh, green team or in the blue team, then you're a horrible person. And how can I even talk to you? And like, um, oh, well, if you're, you know, if you've ever stolen something, then you, then you're a bad person. You're morally corrupt and blah, blah, blah. And like, uh, uh, sometimes I think that trickles down into learners. Mm where so it's that thing of like they need to break it Mm. to make it but uh take an extreme example i feel like everybody has heard that thing of like serial killers often torture animals when they're children you know like they go back and they go there they go he used to torture dogs he used to pull the tails off cats or bullshit right and so that gets stuck in people's heads or this idea that like anything morally reprehensible in children is a sign that they are will be morally mm. abhorrent adults. Therefore, must be stamped out. Get the fuck rid of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Rather, it's gonna accelerate. Well, this is just gonna go and go and go, right? Because they're showing me that morality is it's growth mindset, fixed, fixed mindset. It's growth morality, fixed morality. Where you go, this person can do this thing. Is morally capable of um, holding a woodlouse and punching it into their own palm at five. Therefore, when they're an adult, they will probably also be able to do that. Can I make a point there? No. Or you want to Yeah, talk? no, no, do it. <laughs> no, so, yes, and what about if... This is tortured. It, Your face is making sorry, all, okay. all of the expressions. I, because, do you know what I've written? I've written... So, listening to you, I'm going, okay, well, yeah, kid makes a mistake or, like, a morally dubious choice. 
um, adult goes, oh my god, that's evil! Fucking don't do the fucking evil thing! Don't yeah. do the evil person! Blah. Sure. Thinking, I'm stamping this out. I am going to stop them doing that thing. I've written, shame and guilt. So, you know, you're talking about like, oh, you know, the evil thing will make an evil teenager, will make an evil adult. Yeah. I've gone, shame and guilt. Arrow, low self-esteem. Arrow, self-sabotage. Arrow, repeated behaviours. And that I wonder whether Oh, there's... can you put some verbs in between okay. those words? Because so, I know what you mean, but people listening yes. might not. So what about if... Um, like, I believe that humans, what, humans want to be successful. They want to be good, in inverted commas, and that you might argue, what, what does good look like? What does moral goodness mm-hmm. look like? And it being about like fitting into the world, about like uh, react- acting with responsibility and care towards other humans and non-human um, elements of the world, and therefore being in that kind of reciprocal cycle of like, I've done a good thing, I've done a positive action, that makes me feel good, I will do more of it, people will be nice to me, yeah. the world yeah, yeah. will like me. Yeah. Self-worth. Continuing, continuing, continuing. And that where you get the opposite of that and a spiral of like, oh, I did a bad thing. I'm going to do more bad things. I'm going to do more bad things. Oh, my God, I'm doing bad things all the time. That maybe there's a thing there about like, you know, making a mistake, being hammered on by an adult that you value in your life. And you already know you've made the mistake. You know you've made the mistake. And not only has it been pointed out to you that you've made a mistake or your action had a consequence, but it's been made. You have been made to feel like the shame and the guilt of doing that. And then you go, oh, I'm a shit person. Well, you know, fucks it now. So I might as well carry on fucking it up. And yeah, mm. that's what I do. That's what I do now. That's who I am. You know, I've got low self-esteem. So why would I ever bother trying to do the right thing? And then um, just as I was listening to you there, like, like as an adult, you might have this, like, I'm going to, I want the best for my child. Therefore, I will really stop them doing that bad thing. That mm. I think there's a huge, there's a huge thing about shame and guilt and the damage that I can do to somebody. And that that is all kind of tied up in your moral compass because yeah you know like we're saying you want to kind of allow people to make a mistake and not and learn from it but not feel like because you're already going to feel a bit of guilt and shame aren't you if you realize the actions are they synonyms because i'm just wondering whether one is internal and one is external and actually i wonder whether like shame is okay i don't know which one is which but let's say if there's an internal one that's yeah. the one that I think is socially, that's good. I think having that re- um, reflection and going, fucked up, made a morally bad choice, mm. reflected on it, didn't like how that felt, mm. not going to do it again. Mm. Internal, great. External, mm. you fucked up, you did a bad thing, you shouldn't do that thing again. Mm. That I'm less keen on mm. as a social tool. And it's that socialising versus social conditioning yeah. thing. Um but I wonder whether, and here's where I think, again, Forest School has got an advantage or, or like a, a positive benefit is that like through reflection, we're probably able to ascertain whether a learner um, is already in a place of shame about this mm. thing and adjust accordingly and go, right, OK, this is... Um, you are really beating yourself up about this. Therefore, you do not need anything from me right now. Yeah. Or, because extreme, the other extreme is like, you feel no remorse for this right now, and no amount of me telling you you should feel bad is going to make you feel bad. Mm. So all I can give you is declarative information to help in your reflection. Mm. Versus, potentially, and this is where I think some people can get unstuck, and I know some people feel these things are really unfair, like written behaviour and sanction policies are sort of designed, I think, with with the best of intention to like promote moral behaviour. Yeah. But they're not taking into account any internal reflection that the learners are doing mm-hmm. because the person that has no shame and guilt misses break time. The person that is beating themselves up and honestly they're never even gonna look at that thing again or they're never you know, they get the same punishment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's something in there that like with forest school because we are learner centered we are tailoring all of that stuff you know we don't use punishment or rewards in any way but like um do you know what i mean yeah i do know what you mean and i feel like oh my god if you were gonna add anything into training of adults who work with children in any way it should be the flipping ability to be able to judge that 
yeah. you know, to be able to look at somebody's posture, eye movement, utterances, breathing, to see where the hell they are and therefore how you should react because, mm-hmm. like, the damage that you could potentially inflict on somebody who is in that, you know, real shame spiral is huge. Mm. I've written down the whole we are all friends thing you know is this moral is that moral compass? i think it kind of is i think it kind of is because that's the morally right thing to do we're oh we're kind to our friends i.e be nice to everyone oh i'm kind to my friends yeah twat to everyone else <laughs> <laughs> that's not true um i just wrote it in like something you said made me think of it in terms of like yeah we're gonna this is our moral code in this place we are we are kind well it takes away autonomy doesn't it that's what we're saying which they you know it's lumping on because you're hoping for again i know i i can empathize that this is coming from a place of like wanting to emphasize that like forest school is community that the people here are all collaborative that you know we would hope that the learners behave in ways that are in air quotes Mm. kind Mm. And then you go, well, what's the easiest way to do that? I will write in a policy, mm. we are friends, mm. or like, we are kind to each other. Mm. Um, and that, I mean, that is this no different to any other school policy that just gets lumped on people when they go, mm. or not even a school policy, you know, some workplaces have these policies, don't they? Mm. They have, you know, we all do this on social media, or we all um, do this thing. And, and like, it's a shortcut to someone who is still in a, for someone who's in a didactic place, boss, head teacher, parent, and goes, well, the shortest way to the behaviour I want is to enforce my moral compass. Mm. And not, not understanding that, like, the the long-term benefit, which is what forest school is, it's long-term benefit, it's, like, mm. do you know, I'm, I'm circling back around everything, but, like, it gives no opportunity for moral growth because Mm. um, it implies that you are not one of us if you ever digress. You've broken the rules. And that is where I'm in this puritanical thing of like, you are or you aren't. There are no grey areas rather than what I hope that our groups are is genuinely a melting pot. Mm. Not a... um, Because the other way of viewing it, oh, this is my metaphor, really, it's either... A cattle brand mm. will make this red hot. It's red hot with sanctions, punishment, praise, and reward, and then we'll stamp it on everything. Mm. That makes kind hands. That makes it look like a community. We use kind hands because we just stamp this thing on it. Mm. Or you genuinely have a melting pot where this person brings this in, and that affects the thing, and this person brings this in, and that affects the thing, and that is not a static thing. And that's a shortcut that we're hoping for. I think is mm. an easy life, a static. Yes. A yes. static thing of like, oh, my community is like this, or like yeah. my thing is like this. And actually, again, going back to you saying it's tiring, this job is going to be tiring until we stop doing it mm. because we are not going to arrive at a place where we don't have, we don't respect the people coming in and we go, you do what we want or you don't because that's the easy option. Mm. We are constantly going to be tired because we are constantly going to be melting people into this pot and bringing them in and valuing what they say and exploring it and that is taxing. And you can, I think you can apply that exactly to the learner as well because they are, um, they are also making those like decisions all the time because they're not always being heavily, heavily supervised by an adult who's telling them yeah. right and wrong, do this, now do this. They're having to make decisions about their actions much more autonomously than they might be in another setting all the time and that is blinking knackering mm. so even if you spend a whole day at forest school not running around and playing yeah, yeah, games yeah. or climbing a tree or doing physical heavy work or whatever it's still blinking knackering because the amount of decisions you're having to make yourself and that's where the learning is mm. like when that when people say like what are you learning at forest school like i can't you probably have to listen to this whole <laughs> podcast but like that is the that is the gift that a forest school gives is the ability to make those decisions for yourself in terms of what you're saying what you're doing with your body how you're interacting with other people the more than human world like all the time because it's your choice how how you act mm-hmm. and it's like a little microcosm of life in that way it's like well 
you're responsible for your own decisions. No one's going to tell you that you can't do that. So it's almost like, just don't write the rule down. Just don't write the rule down, but be flipping observant and sensitive all the time. Mm. <laughs> Therefore, you don't go, oh, I've got this rule to, to fall back on and I'm going to repeat it to you. You just, you're just there to mediate and go, oh, I'm noticing and I'm Do you think and... then it's fair? So lots of people listening to this will already be forest school leaders, will have done their level threes. And part of that is writing like an ethos policy. Mm. Do you think an ethos policy is fair to write? Because I think if you listened, to, if you and I had this conversation and then we went and wrote, sat and tried to write one now, mm. I think we would end up in a weird place where we just put like, we try and respect the views and morality of everyone that comes and discuss the out share you know declaratively share the outcome you know like yeah, well i think that is an ethos and i think it's an, it it's is an, an ethos approach but are we setting people is it setting people up to fail because an ethos policy normally means what are you imposing moralistically uh no because i think it can be what you value and so you could but what about when different learners come and they value different things no but it's like what <laughs> if you're trying to do an organization's Values. What is the organisation value? Okay. The organisation values the values of others. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mate. Get out of that one. <laughs> oh, mate, we have to stop now because we've got a session. But like, I, you know, if I had more time, I want to talk about storytelling and they're like moral opportunities through listening and creating stories. I want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about like the thing about like things people have made, like the remains of play and I think we might need to come back to this. Let's do it. I think it might need to be a... Let's go to some forest school and then um... <laughs>